Thank you so much for joining us here at Word Baptist Church. I'm Jamar Andrews. I'm the lead pastor, and I get the great privilege of shepherding here. I'm excited that you're joining us today for this sermon. You're about to receive text-driven preaching. My prayer is that God speaks to you through this time as you listen to this message. So enjoy, and God bless. Bibles to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 14, Matthew 14 verses 22 through 36 is where we will spend our time together uh, this morning. Uh, you see, as we are in this online format, we stepped out of the series in Revelation and uh, this past uh, week, I've had a lot of opportunities to reflect and to pray about the message for today. And as a matter of fact, the Lord laid this particular passage uh, on my heart last Sunday. And so I find it very fitting uh, with all the events that have taken place that we would be looking at this particular passage as Jesus walks on water uh, in the midst of a storm uh, coming to the disciples. And so I find that from this passage, we will find great encouragement, that we will find great encouragement. As a matter of fact, we're going to look at uh, five specific things that I believe we can find to encourage us in our relationship with the Lord. Uh, the title of today's message is Trust the Lord. In these days and times in which we live in, uh, I have increasingly find, found myself reminding myself of this truth that, Jamar, you have to trust the Lord, that uh, he knows, he sees, uh, he's aware He's working. And so the title of today's message is Trust the Lord. You see, this particular passage comes in the earthly ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ as he was in flesh walking around. And the context of this passage is he had just performed this wonderful miracle for the people feeding the 5,000. And the people were so excited. They, their bellies were full and they wanted to try to come and, and to try to institute him as the leader. And so what the Lord does is, is he quickly sends his disciples away because he understands the damage that would be done to them if they got caught up in all those things. And, you know, if we're not careful as the Lord's children, we can get caught up in the things of this world, the things that are around us, the things that are happening, and it can cause us to not have the proper perspective of who Jesus Christ is. And you see, that was the danger. It's a danger that they would have the wrong viewpoint, the wrong perspective of who the Lord is, what he had come to do, and what he was intending to do to see lives transformed and impacted. 
And so from our passage today, I find that in the world that we live in, the the struggles and the dynamics of the things that are going on, uh, if we're not careful, we can have a, a perspective of the Lord that's not accurate. And we can look at the things around us and the fears that, that grip us, and it can cause us to have a viewpoint of Christ uh, that's not true. And so today we're going to look at this instance, this moment in the life of our Lord and of the disciples, and I believe it'll teach us some core things. I just will give them to you on the front end. We're going to see that, number one, the Lord, he, he knows our situation. Secondly, we're going to see that he is praying for us, that we have a Savior who knows not only what has happened, but he also intercedes for us on our behalf. The third thing we want to see is that he comes to us, that our Lord in his love for us, that even in the midst of storms and trials and difficulties, he comes to us. Fourth, we're going to look at the fact that the storms of life, they do have a purpose and the Lord, he desires to mature our faith, to mature our trust and relationship with him. And then lastly, we're going to see that when we, when you serve the Lord, you serve a winner because he always succeeds and whatever he does, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, he always succeeds. I hope we've had an opportunity to find Matthew's gospel. I'm going to read our passage in its entirety, and then we will glean from it. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 says this, Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind stopped. And those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, you are certainly God's son. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent word into all the surrounding district and brought to him all who were sick. And they implored him that he might just, that they might just touch the fringe of his cloak. And as many as touched it were cured. The first thing that we're going to see in terms of being encouraged in the midst of the storms of life, the difficulties that we face, the uphill battles, the challenges and the hardships. The first thing that we're going to see 
is that he knows our situation. He says, Lord, he, he knows our situation. And what I find is that many people believe that just because you are obedient to the Lord and you're doing exactly what he's telling you to do, that there's going to be smooth sailing in your life, that your life is just going to roll smooth. Can I just tell you, that's not the case. And we see that the disciples, the disciples in verse 22, they followed the Lord's direction and they were living for him and they ran into this very difficult time in their life. The text tells us that it was our Lord's decision to have the disciples get into the boat. And so what that lets me know is that he sent them into this and that he knew that there was going to be a great difficulty, but he had a purpose and plan for it. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ has always kept it real with us. He told us in John's gospel, John chapter 16, verse 33 is a passage that I just want you to share with you. It says this in John 16, 33, these things I've spoken to you so that in me, you may have peace in the world. You have tribulation. But take courage, I have overcome the world. You see, the Lord, he, he, know, he, he knew, he knew this storm in the disciples' life. He knows about the storms in our life now and the ones that will come in the future. But yet he still is calling us to follow and obey him, even in the midst of those difficulties. And as we look to his word and as we trust him, we understand, I believe that in storms, whenever they come, when storms in life come, whether they be physical ones like the ones we, we, the one we experienced yesterday, or they might be some sort of difficulty or hardship, what I find is, is that God, he can use these in two ways. One, he can use them for discipline, to move us, to get us where he wants us to be, to change our perspective and our focus, to change what is valuable to us, or he can use them for development. He can use the storm to develop our faith and to cause us to trust him, to be strengthened by him. But understand, he knows the situation. You see, the Lord, he had brought them through so many things, just like you and me have brought us through so many things. He had brought us so far. He had brought them so far. And can I tell you, he can continue to lead the way. And so in these days, might we understand first and foremost that he knows the situation. He is very well aware of what's happening, and we must be willing to trust him and look to him. The second thing we see is that he, he's praying for us. In, in verses 23 and 24, it tells us about the dynamics of how our Lord was spending the time. It says this in verse 23, after he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already a long distance from the land. It was battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. You see, when I see this picture about the Lord understanding that he, he is praying, he's spending time in, in time in communication with the Father. I believe he was talking to the Father about the things that are to come, but also about the dynamics of what was happening in the disciples' lives. You see, I find that this instance, this picture is a small picture of the grand scheme and plan of God. You see where the Lord Jesus Christ, he comes and he takes on flesh and he dwells among us. And then ultimately he dies on the cross. He's buried in the tomb. He raises up on the third day. He's seen by many witnesses appearing over a period of 40 days. And then he ascends and he ascends up out of the disciples physical presence where they no longer can hold him and hug him and see him. But understand that the disciples, they're down here on planet earth and they're going through all these difficulties. This world is contrary to the vision of God, contrary to the will of God but they have to continue to execute it. Jesus is up high. He's interceding at the right hand of the Father to be able to accomplish the plan of God. 
And I find that in this moment as he's praying, he's still working and moving on behalf of the church today. He's still working and moving on behalf of his children today. And if you understand that, even though you might not can hear it, see it or know it, the Bible has already told us the uh, the ability and the access that we have to his throne. I want you to look with me in a passage in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter four, verses 14 through 16 for my encouragement this morning. Says this, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive, here you go, mercy and find grace to help when in time of need. You see, that, that promise has been penned many, many years ago. But can I tell you, it reigns true to this day. And we see right now that the Lord, he is opening up his his throne to us in time of need, whether it be physical, mental, spiritual, emotional. He is there and he is he is available. You see, I find that in this moment, we see the heart of our Lord as as he's praying there. You see, we can look to him and know that Jesus promised Matthew 28, verse 18, he says very clearly that he has all authority in heaven and on earth. And so we can trust that he is aware of what's happening. The question is, is will we have the grit and the trust in our faith to look to him, to know that Jesus Christ is with us, that he is aware of what's happening? You know, how, com- how comfortable would we be if we knew that Jesus was in the, in the room right next to us praying for us? Would that give us any comfort? Can I tell you, it gets more real than him being in the next room because what we know is, is by the power of the Holy Spirit coming and dwelling in us, he's closer than he ever has been when he dwells inside of us and he knows what's happening. You see, he's in control and he knows exactly what we're going through because he's the God, man. He experienced the trials and the difficulties that we face and we can look to him. The third thing that we see from this passage is that he will come, that, that no matter the, the struggle, no matter the difficulty, I believe that Jesus, he always comes during the midst of storms and trials. That doesn't necessarily mean he comes when we want it, how we want it, or where we want it, but I can assure you that he does come. Will you look with me in verses 25 through 27? It says this, and in the fourth watch of the night, that's between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., it says that, He came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Verse 27 says this, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage. It is I do not, do not be afraid. You see, Jesus When it comes to this moment, it's a great reminder for us that sometimes in the midst of storms, in the midst of trials, in the midst of hardships, it feels as if the Lord is nowhere to be found. It feels as if he is not near. But what we must understand is that he is still Emmanuel, God with us. And the disciples had to learn that. They had to learn that just like we have to learn this truth. That when it doesn't feel like it, doesn't seem like it, when when we're afraid that we can trust that he is still with us. In in that same passage, Matthew 28, 20, he, he says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. 
And so we must understand that his coming is real and it is true. You see, when we look at this passage, there are a couple of things that I just want to highlight from this section. Number one, I find it amazing that he waited so late into the night as he spent time with the, the Lord, you know. It, it, he waited into the night. And what I find here is that he waited until the moment where all human hope and means to be able to be rescued could have been exhausted. Where that he was the only one that could get them out of the circumstance where he was calling them. He was testing. He was pressuring them where he was the only one. He was the only one that could do anything about what they faced. And you know what happens many times when we face a storm is we begin to look to all these other places. And I'm not saying they're not good resources in our world. I'm not saying they're not good helps in our world. But what I'm saying to you is that the ultimate source of everything that we need or we look to has to be the Lord. And he has to show us that many times it comes in the midst of storms and difficulties where he shifts our perspective and he gets us to look to him instead of all the other things that we naturally run to. You see, he, he comes to them. Now, it has always fascinated me that Jesus walked on the water. You know, if you think about all the ways that he could have come to the disciples, he had all the power. He could have, he could have come to them in many ways. He could have just created a boat right there, rolled right up on them. You know, he could have come in many ways, but he walked on water. And there are two things that I just want to highlight from the fact that he walked to them. Number one, the idea of walking means that he was not necessarily in a hurry and that he was calm, even in the midst of the storms. When everybody else is terrified, they're scared to death. He is walking on the water. He is calmly moving toward them. And so no matter how chaotic this world around us is, God is staying calm, cool and collective. You see, we also see, though. That because he is walking, it's amazing. His feet, his feet as he's walking, he, the, the storm and the, the raging waves and all the swells that the disciples were afraid of, he is, he is walking on the very thing that is threatening their life. And so whenever I think about the fact that that water and that threat was under his feet, it shows me that not only is he calm, cool, and collective, but it shows that he's in control. You see, the Bible tells us that, that, that Christ, he is putting all the enemies, all the enemies underneath his feet uh, to be his footstool. We're waiting on that last one death to be brought underneath it. But you, you but rest assured, just like he was in control in this moment, in the midst of this storm, he is in control in every other storm that you will face, see, feel, or sense. You can trust that. That he is calm, cool, and collective. And under his feet, under his feet, he walks on the very things that cause us fear and terror. And we can trust him. You can trust him because he has authority. He created it. He created us. He can control it. And he can work with us in the midst of it. You know, something that strikes me here in the text, when you look at verse 26 and you begin to see the response of the disciples in verse 26, it says this, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they, and they cried out in fear. Now, you know, the thing about fear is that it causes us to see things from a perspective that is very difficult for us to understand, to comprehend. It causes us to see things in ways that, it's, that are not true. And so you and I, we have to make the decision. Are we going to live our lives based off of fear or based off of faith? And can I just tell you the two 
don't go together. I'm not talking about a serious sense of, man, there is threat and danger. I'm not talking about having this type of mindset where you put God through foolish tests. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the type of fear that grips you and it controls your heart and your mind. Or you're going to be gripped by faith. You see, it fascinates me that whenever the disciples saw, saw Christ walking out to them, they did not recognize him. So what that tells me ultimately is that they were not looking for him that they were not looking for him. They were not expecting it. And what I find is, is that whenever you're not looking to Jesus in the midst of the trouble, then what happens is, is most of the time you come to the wrong conclusion about the struggle. You see, we must be willing to look to him in the midst of it. You see, whenever we don't look to him in the midst of the storms of our life, then, then it causes us to come to the wrong conclusions. And ultimately, it will cause us to have a blind perspective of who he is and what he can do and how he is desiring to work. So you must look by faith to his presence and look by faith to the power that he has and look by faith to the relationship that he has with us to know that if he was willing to lay his life down, then he's willing to come to us in the midst of anything we face. You see, he will come to us. Not only that, though, we see that he desires to mature our faith. The Lord desires, he desires to mature our faith. Let's, let's look at how things turn in verse 28, verse 28 through 33. We're going to see verse 28. It says this, Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come and Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, you have a little faith. Why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind stopped. And those who were in the boat worshiped him saying you are certainly God's son you see we finally we get now to the purpose of the storm see I believe that everything that happens is father filtered in the child of God and in the follower of Christ that, that, that we, we see that God he does not leave any difficulty hardship trial he does not leave it to just be some chance or something that just happens but he can take each and every moment and he can use them and we see the purpose the purpose of the storm was to grow their faith and secondly to grow their understanding of who he is and I find that as I think about the, the events of the last several weeks, I'm going to tell you, my perspective many times has had to shift from me because I'm small and shift to God because he's big. And it and it's caused me to understand just who I'm dealing with. And in this moment, he shifts their understanding and he's seeking to grow their faith. You see, ultimately, what he's teaching the disciples here is that they've got to be willing to trust him even when they can't see him. They got to be willing to trust him even when they can't touch him. They got to be willing to trust him that there were going to be years of ministry that they would have to be willing to fulfill when he was not physically with them. There are going to be years of hardship and misunderstanding and difficulty, and they were not going to be able to physically hear his voice like they once heard in conversation. They're going to have to trust him just like you and I. 
Just like you and I, we have to be willing to trust him. You see, there are many things that we understand here. Many things that I want to just lay out in this section, first and foremost, is you see the faith of Peter. And I just want to commend Peter here. And most of us get on to him because he sank. But can I just tell you, I just want to commend my guy because he was willing to get out of the boat. He was willing to look to the Lord and he was willing to by faith say, look, if it's you, if you, if you command me, I know I can do it. And what we learn from Peter here is that we are, we should look to the Lord and we should trust his word that we should look to him and keep our eyes on him fixed square. And we should trust the things that he says. And he told Peter to come and Peter got out of the boat. But what we should understand about ourselves is that we have a tendency to be distracted by the circumstances, that we have the tendency to be double-minded. We try to look at the things around us, and if we're not careful, we can lose sight of the Lord. And in so doing, we lose sight of the Lord, we can begin to sink. Now, I'm going to commend my guy here again because he didn't wait till he started drowning to say help. It says beginning to sink. He was starting to sink. And he said one of the most spiritual things you can say to God is help. This was not some fancy prayer, some old oh God, I beseech you. No, this was a straight up real deal in the moment. Help me. He cried out, Lord, save me. And I love this verse in verse 31, it says this. It doesn't say Jesus looked at him and said, I can't believe you. I can't believe you do this. It says immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and he took hold of him. And so maybe for you in this storm, maybe it's one that your your home destruction, maybe it's one, the anguish of of the sickness that's going on in our world. Maybe it's the difficult things at your job or maybe been laid off. But I just want you to understand something that Christ, he sees you, he knows, and he hears you and he is reaching is working. The thing that I find so fascinating about this is the text tells us in verse 31, it says that he stretched out his hand. Notice it, it, didn't say, it doesn't say he stretched out his hands. It doesn't say he grunted with strength to try to get him up. It says he stretched out one hand and he picked up this grown man out of, out of the water and he brought him up. Can I just tell you, our Lord is strong. He is strong and he can lift you up he can hold your life. And as we look at this, we said it in him, the response. You see, after they do this, Jesus has a statement to him. He does, he does call to him. He says nothing about him not having faith. He says, you had little faith. Why did you doubt? And all I can think of is I believe that in my own life over these last several days, the Lord said, Jamar, why are you doubting me? When you look at my word in the Old Testament, why are you doubting me? When you look at my word in the New Testament, why are you doubting me? When you look at what I've done in your life, why are you doubting me? When you look at what I've done in so many people's lives around you, why are you doubting me? I've got you, and I've got this. You see, we can look to the Lord and we can trust him. And in this faith we have in him, it brings about peace and a deepness of our relationship with him. You see, the reason why I say this is whenever you truly see Christ for who he is, There's only one real response that you should have, and that's to praise him. You see, the disciples, they understood it. I want you to look with me at what it says. In verse 33, it says this, and those who were in the boat, they worshiped him. And and, and that in the Bible, it's telling us exactly what it means. They worshiped him. 
And the reason why they worshiped him was because he was worthy to be worshiped because he was God. And they just saw it on full display. You see, before this, they were they were in the boat with Jesus and he was sleeping and a storm came and he woke up and he told the storm to be quiet. And after that moment, they said, man, what kind of man is this? They, they hadn't quite got it just yet. But in this moment, they understood. They understood because they worshiped him and they understood him to be the son of God, meaning equal with God, the same essence, the same nature, the same power, the same ability. They understood it. And whenever we tap into this relationship by faith, what we see is that there's only one response whenever we have faith and peace, and that's to praise him for who he is and what he's done. The last thing I want us to see is that he always succeeds. He always succeeds. You see, in our passage in verses 34 through 36, we see it. In verse 34, you think about this, it, it's, a, it's amazing to me, you know, sometimes just how, how, how anticlimactic the Bible can be, all right? You imagine, like, all this is, has happened, and then in verse 34, it says, when they had crossed over, just, you know, you know, once they had made it through, that, that fascinates me. Like, 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 out of all this, you know, you would have thought, man, confetti would have fell down out of the sky, somebody would have been hollering and hooping and kissing the ground, it just says, and when they had crossed over. And I, I believe it's so anticlimactic because from the, from the word of God's standpoint, from the Lord's standpoint, he was going to be successful anyway. So it was no surprise to him. And it shouldn't be any surprise to us. He was going to be successful. You see, they crossed over. Can I just tell you, the Lord's going to succeed. He's going to succeed at whatever he lays his hand to. In your life and in my life, doesn't mean there won't be difficulties along the way. Doesn't mean there won't be hardship along the way. But he will succeed in what he sets out to do. You see, they crossed over. And what we must understand is that the Lord, he knew about the storm. He was praying for them during the storm. He came to them in the storm and he brought them through the storm. And I believe that those are the same things that he would do in your life and in my life. He knows about the storm. He's praying for us in the storm. He will come to us in the midst of the storm and he will bring us through it. Might we be willing to look to him? You see, there's something that fascinates me. Is that once they got over to the other side, there was some business that the Lord needed to tend to. And I just happen to believe that as we go through this storm in our city, Jonesboro, Arkansas, as we go through this storm, as we go through what's going on, I believe that there's still business that the Lord Jesus Christ wants us to be about. The mission has not changed. His vision for seeing souls saved, lives impacted and transformed have not changed. And church, might I just say to you, might he be opening up an opportunity for us to be able to get in the culture and to get into lives and to get into homes and to be next to people that have not been open to him in this moment. To see who he is. Might we, we be able to represent him well? You see, the text tells us in verse 35, it says this, and when the men of that place, when they recognized him, they sent word into all the surrounding district, and they brought to him all who were sick, and they implored him that they might just touch the fringe of his cloak, and as many as touched him, they were cured. You see, even in the midst of all the things that are happening in our world, there are still people that need Jesus Christ. 
There's still families, there's still marriages, there's still children, there's still people that, that need him. And he was physically there for, those to, for them to be able to touch the fringe of his cloak. But can I tell you, we are the body of Christ. Might we be physically there for them to be able to hear the truth about who he is, to be able to hear the gospel. There are many opportunities that are in front of us. Might we be willing to go and to be engaged and to be involved that folks might be healed. We might see them healed spiritually. We might see them come to know the Lord. Can I tell you, I believe he is opening up a great opportunity if we will see it for what it is and we will look to him and, tr and trust him and follow him, his will and direction. See, I believe his desire is to still heal you. And what I'm talking about type of healing, I'm talking about a spiritual healing. And I'm just convinced that there are those that are watching right now. There'll be those that will watch later. I don't know how long this video will be up in human history, but can I just tell you what you need is you need a relationship with Jesus Christ. If, if the events of the last several weeks, if the events of last night do not let you know that you need to get your house in order with God, I don't know what else he needs to do. He has laid it out very clearly, very plain for us. And we can see that he is calling to you. If you'll be willing to reach to him and be willing to say, Lord Jesus, save me. I believe that what he told him, he says, take courage. It is I do not be afraid. That's what he's telling you. He's telling you to come to him and to not doubt but to have faith if you'll be willing to trust him. For some of you, that means trusting him for salvation, to have a relationship with him. For some of you, you are saved, but you really are struggling. You, you really are struggling in the midst of this thing. And, and that means that you need to trust the Lord in your circumstance right now. You need to look to him, look to his word, look to his faithfulness. Might you be willing to surrender? You see, we're going to go into a time of reflection and response. Time of singing. Can I just tell you, I believe the Lord wants to bless your life. He wants to bless your life with his presence. He wants, to, he wants to show you just how much he loves you. Can I just tell you, he brought them through the storm. He is a master at it. If you'll be willing to surrender to him. If you're watching now, will you be willing to pray with me and call out to the Lord and say, Lord Jesus, save me. I give you my life. Come into my life and transform. For those of you that are saved, would you be willing, we'd be willing to say, Lord Jesus, I trust you. I, you know the, the fear, you know the struggle, you know what I'm facing. But I'm coming to you. And I'm going to trust you. I'm going to beseech you and ask you to work deeply in my life. Will you pray with me? Lord, we love you. And we thank you for loving us. God, I, I just know that you are working and moving. And in the times in which we live in, Lord, you are looking for us to surrender. Lord, I believe there are folks that have not given their life to you. Lord, you have promised that, Lord, you are going to come. You are going to come. And, Lord, these moments, these things that are happening, I believe, Lord, they are just the beginning of things that are to come. So, Lord, I just pray if there's anyone, they've never given their life to you, Lord Jesus, they would call out to you and they would say, Lord Jesus, save me, change my life, I surrender to you. But I pray that they would turn from their, their ways, their ideas, them trying to be, be the, the, the end all, be all in their own life. And, Lord, they would surrender and submit to you. Lord, I pray that, Lord, that they would trust you for salvation. 
Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord, that we would understand that, Lord, you know what's happening in our lives. Lord, you are praying. Lord, you are intimately involved. And, Lord, you are, you are coming to us. Lord, you are working and you are moving. Lord, you are seeking to mature us. And, Lord, you will be successful. Lord, I pray you'd help us to see that. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Lord, it's been a long time since I've seen many of them. But Lord, I know this thing is much bigger than me. It's much bigger than us. It's much bigger than we're Baptist. I'm so thankful that your presence and your work is, is bigger than us. And Lord, I'm just praying for my brothers and sisters. Lord, you have blessed their lives with your presence and with your peace, with your strength. And Lord, we would look to you and we would trust you. And God, you'd watch over our families and Lord, our children and Lord, our neighbors around us, the one they don't even know they need you. And Lord, that you would use us for your glory to reach them. That Lord, right here after this storm, Lord, I, I believe that there are folks that they need to touch the hem of your garment, Lord. Let, let, us, let us intercede, Lord. Let us represent you well. Let us be your hands and feet so that they might be made whole. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And it's in your name I pray, the name above every name, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Brother Tyler. I hope God spoke to you during the message today. We want to know about it. You can fill out a connection card at wordbaptist.com slash connection card. We want to help you through any spiritual questions you may have while you're on this journey. You see, we believe that the first step is for a person to give their life to Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear that the greatest need that humanity has is to be saved and that the only way to be saved is through Jesus Christ. If you will agree with God, that you need him for the forgiveness of your sins and you will turn to him in repentance and believe in him, uh, you will be saved. The Bible says that you do this by one believing that Jesus Christ died and was raised from the dead and that you believe that his payment is sufficient for you, that you will call out to him as Lord and Savior, he will save you. If you're listening to the service and do not have a church home, we would love for you to come and be our guest during a time of worship. We have multiple services. We would love to meet you personally and have you here for worship. You can check us out at wordbaptist.com for service times. If you've missed any sermons, they're all archived there online, so you can go back and watch them. You can connect with us on social media at Word Baptist. If you would like to invest in the ministry and continue the spread of the gospel, you can give online at wordbaptist.com give. I'm so grateful that you've joined us today, and I hope you've learned something that you can apply to your life, and we hope to see you again next time right here at Word Baptist Church.